Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 167 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Have you ever tried to move beehives? Just a couple of feet or maybe a hundred miles? Either way, it needs careful consideration. Sometimes it goes well, other times, well, let's just say you have to put it down to experience. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. It's podcast time again. Welcome back. And another week has gone rushing by and we're into the first week of July already. Where on earth does the time go? It's been an eventful week. Some of you who follow me on Patreon and more generally on social media will know we've been moving our bees to a borage pollination job. I explained what we were up to last week here on the podcast and I can report back that we did indeed manage to get the bees onto the borage fields with not too many hiccups. Before we get into the detail of all that though we do need to talk about the weather. One of my pet subjects of course along with most other beekeepers always a watchful eye on the weather forecast and a hope for some overnight rain and nice warm sunny days. Well the last week has been quite changeable. We've had sunshine on occasions but it's been mostly overcast and to be honest a little bit cool and decidedly wet. Not the greatest conditions for our bees to get out and forage on what little has been available to them but at the start of this week I've seen a host of plants explode into flower most noticeably lime trees and brambles. It marks the start of the summer season for me. It feels a little later than last year though, but not by any lengthy period. And now the limes are flowering, the bees will be off like a rocket. Now this is the native non-citrus variety, has the Latin name of Tilia, and is I think called basswood in North America. It can be quite productive for our bees, but here at my apiaries we see far more bramble or blackberry than limes. It's one of my favourite tasting honeys. There's a real taste of summer fruits about it. Well, at least that's what it seems to me. And before I go off on another wild descriptive journey about flavours and tastes, if you do have bees foraging on brambles, do see if you can keep the crop of honey separate from your other honey and tell me if you can taste summer in it. I think it's wonderful. For anyone out there experiencing your first year of beekeeping and not yet taken off any honey of your own, whatever honey you're getting, it's going to taste all the better from coming from your own bees. It's simply magical the day you taste your very first crop of honey. It's not just the taste and flavours that you're experiencing, it's all that hard work, time spent looking after your bees, the care and effort that you've put in to get them to this point and the season-long experiences that you've had 
as you carry out inspections, add supers and watch your colonies grow. Changing the subject back to the weather, I've just had to put on a jumper. It's a bit chilly here in Norfolk this morning and has been for most of the week. It does warm up most days to around 14 or 15 degrees Celsius, I would say, but we're not in the heady hot days of summer, not by a long way. 15 degrees Celsius is around 50 degrees Fahrenheit, I guess. So, moving bees. It's been quite a week of it, and I thought it would be useful to share my thoughts and experiences on the do's and don'ts as I see them. As usual, there are many different ways of moving bees and a lot will depend on the transport that you have and how far you're moving them. If you're a seasoned pro, a commercial migratory bee farmer, you can probably teach me a thing or two about moving bees, but I thought it might be useful for anyone starting out to get a heads up on what to expect and for me just to share some of my experiences in moving bees. Firstly, always expect the unexpected. Most times I've moved bees, it's been perfectly fine, but there's always the chance of things heading south quite quickly. So do be aware of this and try to anticipate most eventualities. I'm sure you'll be amused to hear, but I've signed up to a recovery service for my truck. Typically, shutting the barn door after the horse has long since gone, but better late than never. The truck has actually been performing well since its expensive fix, but let's not tempt fate as it were. Moving bees within an apiary can be just as fraught as moving them hundreds of miles if you've not done it before. So, as with all these things in beekeeping, preparation is the key. Firstly, remember the old rule about three feet or three miles. Basically, you can move your bees a little or a lot, but don't move them more than a little or less than a lot. Well, if you get what I mean. That sounds a little bit confusing, but basically, if you move a hive within an apiary, the flying bees are going to return with precision to the place that the hive was last at. So if you move the hive, let's say, three or four metres away from its original position, the bees, having flown out to forage, will return to the apiary and not be able to make out where their hive is. Instead, They'll cluster on the stand or nearest hive or even the long grass to where they thought their hive was. They just can't find it. Amazing though this may seem, it's true. If you want to move your colony within your back garden setup, then a little at a time is really the only way. The alternative is to move them a long way, maybe to a friend's apiary. Give them an extended holiday at a new location several weeks in this case, and then move them back again. That works quite well, but the apiary needs to be a good three miles away at least if you're moving them out. The other point here is to make sure that you have some help to lift the hive. They are large awkward lumps and it's far easier to have someone help than to try to do it all yourself. If you're moving them in your own apiary, there's no need to block up the entrance. Simply move them late in the evening or give them a little smoke across the entrance before lifting it. Oh, and do remember to wear your bee suit with the veil up. You know what's going to happen if you don't. Now, if you're looking to move bees any great distance at all, and by this I mean more than three miles, a little more preparation is called for. 
We used to use my old Skoda Octavia estate car to move hives. Seats folded flat, six hives at a time. All very cosy, but not terribly practical these days. But the practical arrangement of strapping up the hives and blocking the entrances all apply just the same. Let's look at blocking the entrance. With so many different hives on the market, it's just impossible to have one solution to fit all. The simple fact is you need to prevent bees from getting out of the hive while you move them. Wooden floors with wooden entrance blocks can have those blocks removed and rotated to block up the entrance and then that wooden block wedged in place with a bit of grass or card pushed in at the side with the hive tool. Honestly, I find this such a pain to do. More often than not, the bees have propolized the entrance block in place. The weight of the hive on top makes it nearly impossible to remove it easily. The bees get angry, the smoker goes out, and then being stung on the finger isn't all that pleasant. The colony, having been victorious in repelling you, stand guard at the wide gap in the floor where the entrance block previously sat and is now left in the long grass at the foot of the hive and you've got to retrieve it before having another go at pushing it back in place. My preference is a strip of foam, about an inch square and cut to a little longer than the gap in the entrance block. I stand to one side of the hive, lower the foam and push it in place using my hive tool, blocking the entrance easily and quickly. Always remembering to leave a short tag end for easy removal when you get to the destination apiary. This works for all of our entrances. Sometimes we have hives without entrance blocks. And for this, we use a long strip of foam pushed in across the entire width of the floor. And it even works well for our honeypore hives, which use a thin plastic strip as an entrance. Now let's talk straps for a moment. I've talked about them before, but having spent a week moving bees and using a range of straps, I can honestly say I've tried out a few now and they all work well, but there is a right way and a wrong way of strapping your hives. Again, there will be beekeepers out there who have a particular method that works well for them. But what I found out this week is that there are no shortcuts to securing a beehive safely, particularly for a long journey. The simple fact is, that more straps are better than less and it takes time to get all of it done properly. So this week we moved the bees to the borage, a two hour journey using the truck and trailer and preparation here is the key without doubt and we had that sorted well in advance. On the day of the move for each given apiary I would drive around and strap the hives in readiness. This takes some considerable time for one person. Much better to have two people do it as one can help lift the hive to get the straps under while the other feeds the straps around. Regardless of what straps you're using, without doubt two straps are better than one. I found this out to my cost this week and although it's time consuming, the benefits far outweigh the costs. The first trip, and as I've said before, this is the first time for us heading to a remote location for pollination of borage. Anyway, the first trip was a belt and braces trip. Each hive was double strapped. Do take a look at my video showing how to do this if you're unfamiliar. But each hive had two straps side by side securing each hive tightly. 
These were lifted onto the truck or trailer and stacked equally to make sure the height was the same across each row and each row was in turn double strapped with ratchet straps to fix the hives to the truck or trailer. This takes up a lot of straps so do plan well ahead and make sure that you've got enough kit for what you intend to move. Our trailer has a rubber block type suspension unit in the axles which is quite a bouncy ride without any weight on the trailer but with a quantity of hives loaded it settles down quite nicely. I hear a lot of bad press about moving bees using this type of trailer suspension but so far it seems to have been okay. That is as long as you have your hives strapped firmly. Which brings me on to move number three. Time was short I was getting tired, so against my better judgment, I used a single strap on each hive and a single strap to fix the hives to the trailer. It was the final move and we didn't have a full trailer load, just a dozen hives or so at the front end of the trailer and the truck load bay was full of hives too. I suspect that a series of poor decisions led to the great escape. At this point, I would say nothing terrible happened just the usual beekeeping cock-ups to frustrate, add work and add a few stings to the mixing pot too. So what happened was this. The journey was disrupted by a series of roadworks, unknown prior to the trip because I hadn't thought to look at the route beforehand. This put us on some bee roads, less direct, less well-maintained and definitely more bumpy. The trailer, being only partially full, was lighter than previous trips and as such bounced around a little more than I would have liked. The hives, being strapped down with just one strap, had the opportunity to move around a little more than they should have and of course being in a rush to get them on the trailer, having only one strap on each hive meant the individual parts of each hive were able to shift slightly too. Arriving at our final destination in the early hours of the morning, still dark, it was obvious something had moved because as soon as we pulled up, you could see bees milling around on the hives. In fact, what had happened is that the brood boxes on three hives had shifted and dropped down along one edge into the floor, thus creating a gap for the bees to escape from. The first hive appeared to have nudged the second and the second had nudged the third. All in all, it was not the best result I could have hoped for. The simple fact is a little more time spent in preparing for the move would have prevented this inconvenience. Honestly, that's all it was, inconvenient. A few stings and nothing more. But it could have been a lot worse had the load shifted and we had lost a hive off the trailer at 55 miles per hour. So, in summary, however you're moving your bees and however small or great the distance, do the preparation work properly. Spend time getting everything organised and save yourself time and frustration when you move your bees. But most of all, keep yourself and those helping you safe. You really don't want to be missing a beehive off your trailer after a long journey to the borage. Something else you don't want to be missing is my latest podcast. 
A podcast subscription will get you the very latest tips and techniques from me each week as they're released. As things stand, it's going to cost less than a couple of Starbucks coffees. And remember, that's drive-through prices. Head over to my Patreon page and sign up to my Podcast Plus tier for the very latest beekeeping chat and an occasional road safety message. Well, that's it for this week. I'll catch up with you all again next time. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Thank you.